The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. <sighs> I think that sigh just about sums things up. We could probably end this show right now. But it's Davo, and I'm glad you're along for another edition of Your Dish on Clubhouse Conversation. As we are joined by Clubhouse Conversation Royals insider Jake Lutz, as we will be doing throughout the year on our weekly podcast throughout the 2018 season and beyond. Mr. Jacob, how are you? I'm doing all right, Dave. How are you? Oh, man. Uh, that's a loaded question when we're talking Royals baseball, isn't it? You know? <laughs> that's true. I'm not sure they've won a game since the last time we talked. I don't so. think they have. No, eight in a row now, three and 13 as we get set for a doubleheader at Comerica Park on a beautiful Friday, I'm sure. What's going to happen next, Jake? I mean, we've had uh, rain outs, snow outs. We've had a cold out. We've had a roof out. Any, any guesses, any bets on what might happen in Detroit? Maybe it'll be windy and there'll be a grass fire out in the outfield. <laughs> that it'll blow up from the Little Caesars pizza stand they have out there in right field. <laughs> By the way, that's actually a pretty underrated park. America Park's a pretty nice park. It's maybe not the greatest city in the world, but uh, – the park itself, I enjoyed my trip up there. Although, Jake, you'll like this. I remember the game I saw there was, was the Royals. I believe it was 2002. And the losing pitcher that day that gave up a walk-off home run, this is going to bring back a name from the past. Do you remember Ryan Buckvich? I do. Yep. <laughs> big, big guy that threw about 98 straight as a string. Yep. Those were the days back in the day. So, Anyway, Jake, before we get started here – do you care if I rant for a second? Last time you ranted about the weather and how you know you weren't real thrilled about the season starting so early. Do you mind if I do a little rant here real quick? No, please go for it. Okay, so you know I just want to put this as a hypothetical situation. Hypothetically, one or both of the hosts on this show could play daily fantasy baseball on DraftKings. Would you agree that's a hypothetical scenario? Yeah, I, I would say that that's definitely accurate. And hypothetically, on a Sunday day game, you've got, I don't know, six or seven noon games, and normally you have three or four one o'clock games, right? Well, on this particular Sunday that the Royals culled it out uh, when Mr. Otani was set to pitch on national TV, Jake, the night before, if you remember, the Minnesota Twins had postponed their game against the White Sox the night before because they could tell it was going to be too cold, right? Yep. And then the Detroit Tigers were playing maybe the White Sox. I don't know who they were playing. Detroit Tigers, though, they called their game around 9 a.m. Central Time, right? Yep. But the Royals did nothing, and there was no you know precipitation, 0% chance of snow, 0% chance of rain here in Kansas City. So, you know, as 10 o'clock rolls around and 11 o'clock rolls around, I'm getting set to go out to the ballpark and watch the game. You know, I'm dressing up heavy coat. We know it's going to be cold for how many days? How many days before that did we know it was going to be like 30 degrees outside, Jake? Three, four, five days before oh, that? Yeah, about a week before we knew. So did we know the night before it was going to be cold? We sure did. It was, it was you know, lightly snowing during the game the night before when they were playing. Okay, now did we know at 9 a.m. that day when it was clear that it was going to be cold in three hours? <laughs> yes. Did we know at 11 a.m. that it was going to be cold? So, Jake, I want to you know, hypothetically say that somebody, one or both of these hosts of this show, had a fantasy baseball lineup for a considerable amount of money because they were feeling quite confident on Sunday. Perhaps they had five of their ten players in this Royals versus Angels game. And, Jake, what happens on DraftKings uh, when a game gets rained out or snowed out or apparently cold it out? What happens normally? You, you get a zero unless you switch your players, right? Yep. So you get a, you get a zero. So what happens, Jake, when they call a game after noon? 
and there's not a single other 1 o'clock game because the other two 1 o'clock games have already been postponed, then what happens to such person? You're, you're out of luck. Yeah, you lose a lot of money because somebody decided to wait 20 minutes before the game started to call the game. So I, I believe it's an MLB thing. I'm not blaming the Royals for this. But, I mean, not only from the perspective of me and how frustrated and depressed I was about this postponement. I wanted to see Otani in person, first of all. But second of all, you know, it's baseball. And, you know, we're all bundled up. Sporting KC played. You know, soccer is always mocking baseball. It would be nice if baseball didn't feed them with you know more punchlines by holding out a game when soccer's playing. But, Jake, do you agree? Absolutely ridiculous. No, you know, If it's MLB's fault, the Royals' fault, I don't care whose fault it was, you can't postpone a game because of cold 20 minutes before the game. No. It, it was ridiculous, especially because the night before it was just as cold, probably colder, and it was snowing, and right. they played through that with no problem. Right. And then the fact that they decided to shut this game down about 20 minutes before you already have fans in the stands, I mean, they were ready to do the national anthem. Right. <laughs> and they went ahead and called the game then 20 minutes yeah, beforehand. It was absolutely ridiculous. Neither team, the rumors, neither team wanted to play. They both stated they didn't want to play in the morning. Major League Baseball wanted them to play the game because, well, it was a nationally televised game and Otani was supposed to be on the mound. So I think that was their original idea, and I don't know why they changed their mind at the very last second, but... It, it, it was ridiculous. It's, it was a dumpster fire, and that pretty much sums up the season so far. I mean, you, you just can't be doing that. That It's a horrible look, Jake. My guess, I mean, I, I you know, we love conspiracy theories up here. We love talking, you know, what happened to JFK or, or what have you. But do you do you buy, Jake, a little bit that maybe Otani was trying to get loose and finally just whined so much and, and maybe somebody called and said, look, he's going to make you millions and millions of dollars. You don't want him to get hurt and upset. Is there any chance Otani was involved? Because it seems awfully random that it's you know happening right about the time starting pitchers are warming up. Oh, absolutely. And the key very well could have been the reason that they canceled the game too because as much as Major League Baseball wanted him to pitch on that nationally televised stage, they also, you know, don't want to take any chance at all of losing him as he is, you know, they're probably going to be their biggest moneymaker all year long. Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, the Royals have been colded out, roofed out, snowed out, and rained out. I think you could be right. You might be onto something about this grass fire that blows through the outfield grass from the wind. Who knows? The way, <laughs> the way this is going, man, who knows? But, anyway, now that I got that off my chest, I feel a little bit better. So, you know, Jake, hypothetically, if one or both of us do play DraftKings Fantasy Baseball, hypothetically – one or both of us have done quite well since Sunday, so we've kind of moved on from it. So <laughs> there, there you go. Anyway, all right, so let's get started here. Several things I want to talk about, Jake. The thing everybody's talking about, I think, right now, and, you know, there's several parts of this team that obviously are not, you know, holding their weight, not doing what they want to be doing and, and could be doing. But I think the bullpen is public enemy number one, Jake. Let's start with Brandon right. Maurer being optioned down to AAA since last time we spoke. What are your thoughts on Maurer, I, I mean, I think you'll agree the Royals handled it correctly if they were going to bring him back. You and I have been on record as saying we would not have brought him back, but if you are going to bring him back, you can't sit him down after one or two outings. So they gave him a few outings. wasn't working. He's back in Omaha. Uh, first outing there struggled. Uh, your thoughts on Maurer, can he contribute the rest of the season, and did the Royals handle that pretty much dead on? I mean, I think they handled it right. It was the right time. You know, they gave him a couple chances. He wasn't able to do anything, even in you know non-high leverage situations. He was still getting rocked, so it was the right time to send him down and see if he can figure it out. Because you know he he has the power fastball and he has the stuff where he should be at least an average major league reliever. He shouldn't be as bad as he is right now. So I mean they've got the stock in him, so they're going to leave him down there and see if he can figure it out. I think they handled it right. 
unfortunately, um, even with him gone, it's just as much of a disaster, though, without him as it was while he was on the roster. Maybe even worse, yeah. Uh, speaking of Maurer, I'm sure at this point, with this season being lost, I mean, I think that's not an exaggeration. I think we all know it's a lost season as far as you know, making the playoffs. Certainly, I think even playing 500 is probably a pipe dream at this point. But you know, with that said, you know, Maurer is still a guy like you said that does have the stuff. I mean, look what the Royals gave up to get both him and and Buckter and and uh, Mr. Cahill, who, by the way, Cahill threw a gym the other night, which kind of surprised me. He but did. yeah, but uh, <laughs> of course he didn't for the Royals. But I digress. But you know, maybe that's a guy that you could get a lottery ticket for. You know, at the deadline, if he, if he can turn things around, I think Maurer is probably kind of that's probably kind of what they think at this point. Get him right, see if we can ship him off. If not, just DFA him in August, probably. If things aren't going well. Now, somebody else that could very well be DFA'd by the time this even posts is Blaine Boyer, Jake. We got to give Blaine Boyer credit because he, and this is not a joke, this is not a laughing matter, he potentially did save, you know, people's lives. I mean, that may be a little drastic to say since we weren't there and we don't know exactly what would have happened, but obviously it's well publicized. The the piece of ice falling on the, the you know, the, the Royals players' bus, the first media bus had already gone through. Uh, the overpass, and then the player's bus got hit with a big chunk of ice, and, and Blaine Boyer, to his credit, and we're not joking to be serious, did come up there and take the wheel and help calm the bus driver down, him and Drew Butera. I'm sure you read the article as well. So a tip of the cap about that. That's no laughing matter, and that's cool that he did that. But as far as on the field goes, Jake, uh, nice guy, not happening. Do you see anything from him? I mean, he's gotten rocked pretty much every single appearance. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, it's been since opening day, I mean, he's he, every outing seems like he's just getting bombed. He he doesn't have anything, and he's basically just, I guess you could say, a stop holder right now, but I, I don't know how much longer, even with this team pretty much tanking, they can even put continue to put him out on the mound because it's, it's bad. I mean, <laughs> there's not too much to say about it, but it, it's been ugly. Yeah, there's there's nothing going on there with that. The, the stuff is gone. Um, you know, it doesn't surprise me. The guy was with the Royals in 2013 and couldn't even make it out of Omaha. Granted, the Royals had a much better bullpen back in the 13, 14, 15, 16 eras. I get that, but but there's that point. Now, a guy that you and I were pretty excited about, especially after the first couple outings, was Mr. Grimm. And, you know, coming over from the Cubs, cheap deal. I think he's making a million and a half. We've heard all about the breaking ball and what's going on, Jake? He can't throw strikes. You know, there's there's no command. What, what are you seeing from Mr. Grimm? I mean, just, just what you said, no command at all. He's getting behind pretty much every hitter. He's getting himself into terrible situations over and over and over again. I still think he has, you know, decent stuff because he has a mid-90s fastball and a good breaking ball. He just never gets to use it because he's behind in the count against every hitter he's facing right now. Right. Um, it, it, it's been ugly for him as well. He, he's been a dumpster fire the last week and a half. So, um, I mean, yeah, again, another guy who has decent stuff, but you were hoping that he would have a decent season as he was a guy you were potentially thinking you could probably flip for some type of prospect at the deadline, and right now he's just not getting it done. Yeah, not at all. And I, I do think, I mean, people say, you know, Brandon Maurer and, and Boyer is going to be DFA. I, you know, I think you and I even talked in a previous podcast that we both thought Boyer was not in it for very long, maybe by June 1st at the latest. I mean, I never thought he'd make it through the season, even even before he pitched a game. It was just a guy that you could tell was not going to make right. it a full season. I do think Graham will last all season long, or at least as long as he's healthy uh, or, and or doesn't get traded. I think, I think it's a guy you can afford to kind of hide him. I don't, I don't think he's bad enough where you have to ship him off. The stuff is still there. Boyer doesn't have the stuff anymore. I mean, it's pretty clear that it's not there anymore. No. It's like, you know, Jeff Montgomery used to always say, the hitters will let me know when it's time to walk away, and I think he's been told that. And most likely Brandon Maurer, um, you know, could be on that on that same 
uh, one-way train as well. Now, let's talk about some good things, Jake. I will say, that, you know, if you take out, and this is, you know, I, I always hate the if you take out one inning or if you take out three pitches, he pitched good. I hate that. But if you take out Maurer, Boyer, and Graham's ERAs, the rest of this bullpen, Jake, is under three ERA-wise. And there's a couple guys to talk about. First of all, what have you seen from Tim Hill so far? I mean, Tim Hill has been – he's been pretty solid from, from what I've seen. I think that the guys – just really struggle with that arm angle. Even right-handed hitters seem to be struggling to pick up the ball. Um, I've been a little bit surprised by his velocity, actually, you know, that he's hit it. he hits the low 90s at times with with that arm angle he throws from. That's really difficult to hit. And he's, I mean, the guy is, is you know, going to be really tough on lefties, but it looks like he's pretty tough against righties as well. So I've been impressed with what I've seen from him so far. He was impressive in the spring. He's continued that through early through the season. And, um, yeah, I just think he's, he's a tough matchup for, for guys because nobody's seen him, really, who he's faced so far. And to your credit, Jake, you were telling me in very early to mid-March before anybody else was talking about him, you thought he'd make this ball club. So Tim Hill has been very good out of the Royals' pen. Another guy, well, there's two other guys, both of our Rule 5 guys. Brad Keller has struggled a bit the last couple of games. We've already talked about him extensively in the last podcast. We haven't given much love, though, to Birch Smith. Now, Jake, a couple of trivia questions about Birch Smith that I got from the Royals media guide. Of course, do you know he's the only Major League player in the history named Birch? I did not know that. I believe it's named after his mother. It's his mother's maiden name. Her last name was Birch, I believe. So that's where he got the first name Birch. And I, I, I might have mentioned in a previous podcast, he's a good friend of Johnny Manziel. Did you know that? I didn't know that either. Yeah, they grew up <laughs> together, like in the same town, same area, hung out a lot growing up. So there you go. But Birch Smith, a guy who, I'll admit, opening day looked horrible. Came in, couldn't throw strikes. Granted, it was also extremely cold. Also, he hadn't been in the big leagues for a couple of years. You got the nerves. So I kind of threw that one out. Then the Royals didn't pitch him for, what, eight, nine days? Something like that yep. between outings. And ever since then, man, the strikeouts have been there. He'll go an inning in two-third in K-4 or throw two innings in K-4. Uh, the changeup, Jake, is, it's been fantastic as an outpitch. One of the better changeups, uh, certainly, uh, you know, on this team. I, mean, I would think he probably is the best changeup on the team. And, and certainly in the AL Central, you got to think it's one of the better ones for somebody out of a pen. Have you been pretty surprised, as, you know, as I have with, with Burt Smith? I've been impressed. I'm so glad that they ended up keeping him on, putting him on this 25-man roster because he, he's got the stuff. He's got the changeup. He's got a ton of movement on his fastball, too, which I really like. And um, he, he's got strikeout ability. That's what I knew coming out of the spring. He was striking out guys like crazy, but he was also walking guys. And, you know, he's, he's walked four so far in six innings, so it's not too extreme. But that, that was the issue about it with him. Is he can get guys out, but he also had control issues. So, I'm interested to see him actually in maybe some high leverage situations at some mm -hmm. point because I want to see how he reacts because I do think the stuff is there for him. I think the stuff is there for Keller, too, and I'm hoping to see that both of those guys get more opportunities in high leverage situations well, I think as right, the season goes on. Right now your seventh and eighth inning guys have to be Keller, Smith, and Hill, don't they? I mean, who who else are you trusting? I mean, maybe Brian Flynn, you know, but otherwise, I mean, I'm, I'm sure as hell not putting in Boyer or Grimm in the situation, right? I mean, that's it. it was up to me, yeah. Those are the three guys I would go with. Because, yeah, again, it's Brian Flynn. I just, the stuff doesn't seem to be there for him either the way that I, I right. thought it would be. Right. It doesn't really have any 
anything that's you know going for him that that just doesn't really have that pitch that you look for for a guy out of the pen. Yeah, guy, you're right, Jake. A guy that I really, if you ask me, a year before last year when he had the barn incident when he fell through his barn and mm-hmm. missed the first half of the season, it basically was a lost season in a lot of ways. Then he had the injury the year before that. Didn't he make the club the year before that and then get injured right away before the season? I mean, he's been injured since the yeah, Royals he- got him for Aaron Crow and Aaron Crow, by the way. As another guy that just disappeared off the face of the earth that got injured and really never came back, and it's kind of appearing that Flynn might be the same thing. So it's too bad for both of those two guys. Um, now, Jake, now starting pitching, I want to talk about because it's been the strength of this team. If there's one thing on this team that's above league average, it's most definitely the starting rotation. I think it's fair to say that. you know. And again, outside of one guy, outside of Eric Skoglund, this starting rotation's been excellent. I mean, Ian Kennedy's brought it every single start. Jake Junis has essentially brought it. He kind of got roughed up his last outing. But Junis and Kennedy have been great. I think Jason Hamill's been very good. I think Danny Duffy has been good. But for what Danny Duffy is supposed to be, I'm not real impressed blowing a 4-0 lead to the White Sox opening day or, or getting a 2-0 lead and giving it right back in the first inning or you know giving up a few runs in the fifth or sixth. You know, For what he's supposed to be, Jake, the last outing was the first one where he looked like a, a number two or number three starter. I'll never call Danny Duffy a number one. I've never thought he's a number one. I think that's a very unfair thing to put on his shoulders. I think he's got a, a very good contract for the Royals. If he, even if he is a number three, it's still a great contract for both parties, and he's still a very useful piece as a number two or number three. But I think even with that, even with that said, for what he's supposed to be and what this team needs him, hasn't quite been what we wanted. Is that a fair assessment of the whole starting rotation? Yeah, yeah, I would say so, absolutely. I agree with you 100% on Duffy. I mean, he, he's been better the last couple outings. I'm hoping that he can be more consistent as we go because I think that would be beneficial for us, you know, especially if we're trying to move him in, here in the next year or two. And But the, the rest of the rotation has been fantastic. I mean, the main thing I've just noticed is all these guys are throwing strikes, and that's that's what you want to see. They're not walking a lot of guys. They're staying in the zone. They're keeping the ball down. And it, it's been impressive. In past years, we would have – love to have this rotation honestly with the roster that we had the last couple of years because this rotation has performed at least early in the year much better than than previous years yeah well, they, they really have so i mean that's that's a, a good point with with going up there and throwing strikes and i think this rotation going forward will get even stronger um especially when you consider you've got guys like trevor oaks dad in omaha scott barlow had been mm-hmm. starting my, my guess is scott barlow joins the team on friday probably blame boyer gets dfa i think they may work barlow out of the pen for a while or maybe piggyback him with scoglin for another start i do think another guy that'll be coming up to help out eventually is jesse han jake but also a familiar name from the past a name that in his prime gave everybody fits and then of course clay buckholtz tell me about clay buckholtz and his one start um, well, he threw, I believe it was just a couple of days ago, down at Northwest Arkansas, uh, threw four and two-thirds, uh, gave up only one hit, walked two, and struck out five. So, uh, pretty, I mean, a pretty solid outing there. I think he, we probably will see him sooner rather than later because I just don't think they can continue to put Eric Smoglin out there every fifth day, especially once we're playing more games and cannot skip him no, any longer. So, I mean, Buckles is a guy who, yeah, it, we know he was very impressive earlier in his career and is, you know, again, another guy who could be a stop holder for us this first half of this season and give us innings and, you know, maybe draw some interest. Yeah, a guy you could definitely flip. I mean, dirt cheap contract. I mean, that's a big time experience character type of guy if he if he's throwing the ball and getting out. So you're right about that. You hit that one right on the nose. And speaking of Scoglund being skipped, I was kind of surprised they still threw him in the Toronto game after being you know a couple days off. I mean, it seems like they could have rearranged things a bit to maybe skip him. But um, you know, nonetheless, at least Eric Scoglund pitched more competitively in this Toronto game. Although a lot of the outs were loud outs. 
um, in that game. Now, yep. speaking of, of Buckholz, I mean, coming back and you know, coming up through the minors, I'm gonna guess gets one more start with Omaha, and Salvi, of course, caught him in Double A. I don't know if you saw that. You see, Kevin Millar was in San Antonio to on the front row to, to cheer on Buckholz for the, his start. It was, I thought that was kind of cool. They're all good, you know, good friends in the past. Yeah, I did read about that. Uh, that. That is pretty cool. Yeah, maybe he's just in town to see the Alamo and just stopped on over there to watch a little <laughs> baseball game. But I imagine Salvi catching, you know, both Salvi and Gorda will be with the Omaha Storm Chasers this weekend and Buck Hulse as well. So if you happen to be um, in the Omaha area this weekend, they are home. By the way, Saturday night is Gerard Dyson bobblehead night, his first ever bobblehead. They're doing a cool little series this year where they do like him and you know, 50 years of Omaha as well. So they're having different guys in different uniforms. There's Jeff Montgomery in, a, in an Omaha Golden Spikes jersey and Dan Quisenberry in an old Omaha Royals jersey bobblehead and there's a Mike Sweeney Omaha Royals and then you know Gerard Dyson with the Storm Chasers. I'm forgetting somebody. Who's the f- Oh, Seitzer. Seitzer's having a bobble. They all connect Jake and make a baseball field. You kind of put them together like a puzzle. So I highly encourage you to get on eBay and get some of these this year, Jake, for your for your office. But, uh, but Clay Buckholz coming soon. You know, Salvi coming back. How much is Salvi going to help this team? I mean, you look at the stats like war, and obviously people will laugh their butts off if you say something like, oh, well, the Royals probably have one or two more wins right now with Salvi. But I'm going to say that. I mean, people will laugh and say, oh, oh, oh over a season, and, you know, he might get two or three more wins. But, I mean, don't tell me, don't tell me that all these games early the Royals lost by one run, right? when they couldn't score any runs, that he wouldn't have made a difference with his bat and lengthen this lineup or even help with maybe calling a different pitch when a home run was given up by a young pitcher or what have you. I mean, do you agree Salvi means one or two wins at this point? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, even just his leadership in the clubhouse and on the field. And lengthening the lineup, too. Yeah, and I mean, his yeah, him hitting in the middle of that lineup, I mean, would make make such a difference because – Right now, like your five through nine is like Ugh. full of guys who are either major league backups or four A players. Right. So just to get a you know and put an all star back in your lineup and make it not it's not nearly as bad. So his bat in the lineup would be a huge help. His power, his leadership on the field, and even his game calling. I think with not that I mean the starting rotation has been fantastic, but these guys know him. They're more comfortable with him, and I think he'd probably be able to help out some of these guys in the pen as well, especially the younger guys. Yeah, um, going around the offense while we're you know we've done the bullpen and the rotation already. Jorge Soler, his first home run. I will say, Jake, I have been more encouraged. I'm letting him play every day, and, and knock on wood, he has been staying healthy so far this year. I've been kind of, uh, not, I wouldn't say surprised, and I wouldn't even say real happy, but I'm mildly happy with his plate discipline. It seems to be better. He's eons better on defense. I'm sure you've seen that with your eyes as well. What are your thoughts on Jorge Soler? Yeah, he he looks much more confident at the plate i would say he he has a good eye which which is you know something a lot of these guys in our lineup don't have at all they're not selective at all flair is selective seems to be seeing the ball pretty well and you know it's obviously when he connects on it he can hit it a long way and he's really i mean he hasn't had a hit for a bunch of power this year yet he's only got one homer and two doubles but even on his singles he's smoking the ball out there so there's the bat speed is, is there and i think him just playing every day is so important for his development and getting major league at bats every single day. How about, so it's going to be interesting to watch him all year. Speaking of the outfield, how about Abraham Almonte? What what game was that where he hit leadoff? That was the last homestand I was at the game. <laughs> Did he, what was it? He made eight of the twenty seven outs or something ridiculous. Yeah, like it, was, it was the the snow game. I think that's no, 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 no. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was a weeknight game. Was, no, it was uh, Friday night. It was Friday night. The, the night Friday before night. that. Yeah. yeah. He went 0 for 5. Yeah, with like two double plays. Yeah. <laughs> man, I mean, he did hit a home run, but the guy looks a little rough out there. I I, I don't know, man. I'm, 
I guess I'm not seeing. You and I are both Michael Saunders fans, and from talking to somebody very close to the organization, they told me he just looked horrible. He looked lost, um, did not play well at all with the Royals. They liked him as a person a lot, but I just have a hard time believing Michael Saunders couldn't do what Almonte does. The guy was an all-star two years ago. I, I mean, could he have lost it that fast? I, I, yeah, I, I don't see. I don't see how he could have been any worse because Almonte is just not, not even, I mean, not a major league player, not even a backup major league no, player. No, he's really. a 4A he's player. another 4A guy who just, yeah, he, I don't even know what the point of him getting, him and, well, I mean, Orlando and guys like that too, I don't know what the point of them even, right. I guess, just stop holders for now. But They're, yeah. It, it's frustrating watching them every day. <laughs> well, and Orlando's not even, what is he, 32 now? I, mean, I don't have him in front of me. I, yeah. think, I think he's 32. So, I mean, he's getting probably to his last. I mean, I got to think this might be his last year in the big leagues. I mean, when, when he's not cutting it on this team, you know, Love the guy. He's had a great career at the Royals, and they got him for nothing. They got him from the White Sox for – it was a lefty pitcher. Who was that guy that they got him for, Jake? Oh, shoot, I should know this. Lefty pitcher they traded to the White Sox. This is going to bug me. So, Jake, you know what I'm going to do right now for the people? I am going to Google here in my home recording studio. <laughs> Paulo Orlando trade with White Sox. It was for a lefty pitcher. Do, 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 do. Jake, why am I not finding this? Horacio Ramirez. That's who it was. I knew I knew it. It clipped my there tongue. So that was, of course, a memorable trade in Royals history. Yeah, I think that worked out okay. Yeah, I think us. we won that one big time. <laughs> so uh, Ryan Goins, I mean, same thing. I, I would think Ramon Torres has got to be coming in the near future, uh, you know, especially when Mondesi needs at bats every day in Omaha. Yeah, yeah, I, I would think so. Um, yeah, Goins is, again, just very similar to Almonte in Orlando, just – a guy that it's it's frustrating to see him, you know, in the lineup and sometimes even hitting as high as the six hole. <laughs> it yeah. just shows how how poor that the bottom of the order is right now. Yeah, one other note about the offense. I think Mike Moustakis looks fantastic. I think he's in better shape. Um, so, uh, you know, yeah. it would have been very easy for him to kind of sulk and pout, but that's not happening at all. I think he's doing a nice job as kind of a leader of this team and showing up every day and putting in the time. So I want to give a tip of the cap. Um, to moose on that. Jake, a couple more things I want to talk about here before I bid you farewell for the week. Um, so, two things, I guess. Number one, most valuable pieces come the trade deadline. Before we answer that question, though, let's ask you, I'm going to do an over-under. We love over-under questions here. Over-under, the first trade involving a key royal. So when I say key, I mean like a Duda, a Herrera, a Kennedy, a Duffy, a Merrifield, you know, one of these types of guys, Moustakis, whoever it may be. Over under June 1st, is it going to be, I mean, because usually it's not until June or July until teams assess if they're competing, but I suppose an injury or two could open up a team to move earlier. June 1st, over or under until we see our first trade of significance? I think over. I, I think team, I think the Royals will probably wait it out just so on, until teams are getting desperate. and Because uh, I think as it goes later on, they're going to get probably better offers as it gets closer to the deadline. So I, I'm going to say over. I think it would almost have to be a team that was a, a playoff-type team that lost their third baseman for the season or something mm-hmm. and, and had nobody in the pipeline. And they and the Royals say, hey, we've been you know trying to get this prospect from you for a long time. Why don't we just do it right now? That, that, I, think, I think that's the only way. I think you're right. I think it's probably – when do you think it is then, like early July, late June? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if it start, something happened as early as, as late June, right or right, right before, right after the All Star break, is what I would expect it to really get going. Though over under, how many trades involving major league pieces will the Royals make? I'm going to put the over under at three and a half. I think I'm going to go with the over. I think I just, so too. I think Mustakis, Jay, Merrifield, probably Duda, 
Herrera. Uh, Herrera. Don't forget Herrera. Think, Kennedy, possibly. Yeah. I mean, the Kennedy contract. Herrera, well, and yeah, sorry to bury the lead there. Uh, Herrera is probably your most valuable piece you can trade if he continues what he's done so far this year. Yeah. I mean, I'm to the point, Jake. Okay, who are the who are the people on this team you wouldn't trade? I think Jake Junis is untouchable. I think yep. Salvador Perez is untouchable just because, I mean, not so much because he's going to be relevant when the Royals compete in five or six years. By then, he's probably not your catcher. Um, especially when you've got some very nice catching prospects in the system. you got legit two or three guys that could be like MJ Melendez comes to mind off the top of my head, but some, some other guys, Mibris Valoria and, and Chase Vallow if he takes a catcher, and there's some other guys as well that could be, you know, and even Nick Dini is not, Dini is not horrible, uh, especially defensively. I think the bat's going to play for Omaha this year too. But um, So, you know, I don't know. I, I still think you need to sell tickets though, right, Jake? And you, you need you, know, you have to be able to field a team for a few years and get the average fan out there. So, Am I forgetting anybody? Salvi and Junis? Is there anybody else you would not trade? I mean, would you put Merrifield in that list, or are you, are you open to dealing him? I, I think you have to be open to dealing Merrifield, because I, again, just don't know if his value will ever be as high as it has been this past year, or past two years, I guess, because um, he's not going to be part of this team in the future once they're competing again. So I think he's definitely going to be on the market if the right deal comes across. Uh, but as far as, yeah, my list would be Jake Junis is the one guy who's just completely untouchable on this major league roster right now. And I'd put Salvi as probably a close second behind him. But, it, I mean, again, Salvi even, it wouldn't shock me. I don't think it would happen this year. But over the next couple of years at some point it would not shock me at all if they move him. And I want to remind people, you know, we're 3-13 and 13 now. I've lost eight in a row. Jake, is this team going to lose 100? I mean, keeping in mind that normally when you make trades, the young guys will come up and kind of inject you know, some positive momentum. It seems like you always rattle off a nice streak at some point in August or something in the years past. I mean, when they did this back in, was it 95 or 96, when they brought up Damon and all those guys on the same day, they had a nice run. And when Tony Pena first came, the year he came, they had a nice run right after he came. It seems like that's very common. So with that said... And with the point being that you're going to get rid of your Boyers and your Grimms and your Mowers and you're going to get young guys coming up that are better, um, will this team lose 100 or not? I'm going to go the positive route and say no. I mean, I think it's going to be very close to 100, but I'm going to say no just because I, I think they will at some point have a streak where they actually are playing some decent baseball. There's going to be a point where the bullpen is not blowing up every single night. I mean, it's just It's such a streaky game that it's going to happen. I think that they'll – have stretches where they actually play some decent ball. And again, it's going to be rough probably once after the deadline when pretty much all the pieces in your lineup that are doing anything right now are probably not going to be on this roster anymore. But at the same time, I think you'll have some of the guys who are down in AAA right now who actually will be able to pick up the slack and still get some runs across the board. And, and again, one more time, last point here I want to make before we let you go is that people – I've seen people time and time again, Jake, majority of them are people that maybe – I mean, I'm not trying to act like I'm some superior baseball mind. We're not saying that at all. But a lot of them are maybe people who have not been through a rebuild before or maybe are newer to the sport of being a diehard fan since 2013, 2014. Maybe they weren't around much before that, and that's not a knock. That's fine. Some people are, were younger or some people were busier or just moved here or what mm-hmm. have you. So I'm not talking down to anybody, but a lot of people don't seem to understand what a rebuild is. And you know, they'll say, well, we're the seventh oldest team in Major League Baseball, and, and why are we have why is Boyer and Maurer, why are we DFAing you know, Miguel Almonte for Abraham Almonte? And I would agree with that if, they're, if Miguel's healthy. He's not healthy. There's something going on with that. There's no way they just give up an arm. We, we, yeah. Jake and I agree it's perplexing, but we're willing to concede that we don't know everything. So there's stuff we don't know. But you know, with that said, though, here's how it works in a rebuild. This is year one of a true rebuild. If you notice, everyone they brought in, Jake, am I wrong? One-year contract. Duda, Jay. Grim, 
I mean, Boyer's in a minor league deal, so he's a one-year guy. Who am I forgetting? Alcides Escobar, one year. Mike Moustakis, one year. The entire team you know, that came over this winter are one-year guys. Why is that? Well, two reasons. Well, three reasons. Number one, you've got a TV contract coming up, so you want to at least be mediocre. I'm sure the goal was to be mediocre for this year, just good enough you know, to, to kind of stay in it and then deal your guys at the deadline. So number one, you want to stay competitive, sell tickets, and, and try to generate more money for your TV contract, which is coming up. Number two, you want to be able to flip these guys – and re, you know, retool the farm system by flipping your Herrera and Dudas and Jays and getting yourself legitimately three or four legitimate prospects that could be a part of the next wave. Now, all these guys on their own aren't going to get a lot. You know, Some of them may not get much at all, but it's still better than nothing. And number three, Jake, for the guys that are getting close to the major leagues, like your O'Hearns and you know, Schwindels and some of these pitchers, you know, your, your Barlows and your Oaks and some of these guys – in double A, and you know, for some of those guys, even your Mondesi, when he gets healthy, you're also delaying the clock uh, on their service time. For those who don't understand that, the first three years is a controlled salary. Years four, five, and six are arbitration. Then they become free agents after six. And if you wait till late May into early June, you don't waste a year of their development. You basically get a free year of it. You can bring them up middle of the season, have them play this year, and their clock essentially starts the year after. So. Is that is that a good summary? You're, you're delaying service time. You're flipping guys to get your your system better in year one of the of the rebuild, and you're also trying to compete for a TV contract. Did I nail that, or what do you think? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And on top of that, you brought in all these guys for basically nothing. They're all so cheap, right? For on these one year deals, so that's exactly what it is. And you know, the first year of the rebuild, it, it sucks. It, it does because you're basically just trying to get. You know, you're not going to get huge returns by any means for any of these guys, but you're going to get bodies. You're going to get guys who could pan out, you know, you know, some, some prospects who at least can go into your system and you're going to replenish the farm system this way and through the draft. So, I mean, it, it's, it's not a fun year by any means, but this is what you have to do in the first year of the rebuild. And this is the worst year of the rebuild. Let's, let's put that. Because, yeah. Jake, I don't know about you, isn't it a lot easier – to watch a bad baseball team when you say, hey, that's Ryan O'Hearn. I've been hearing about him for years. Oh, that's Frank Schwindel. Right. Oh, that's Raul Mondesi. Oh, this is Josh Stamont. Oh, he's the one that throws 98 that they took. Oh, Hunter Dozier. He was a first-round pick. I mean, now, will all these guys be part of the next Royals playoff team in five, six, seven years? No. Will some of them? Yes. But you know, it, it'll be a lot easier. Plus, after this year, Jake, we get the four draft picks in the top 50. We get the more prospects. Next year, we're going to get a top five or six pick in the draft. So by this time, I would say by a year and two months from now, by late next June, we will know what the next wave is, right? Because we already know Khalil Leal and Khalil Lee and Suli Matias and and uh, Nick Prado and on and on. We we know several names already. They're going to be part of the next, you know, the next core here. But would you agree by next June it becomes a lot easier to, to watch losing baseball because a some of the guys will be coming up and b you then have names. Right now we just know draft picks and prospects are coming. We don't know who they are. Do you agree it's going to be a lot better after this year? Oh, absolutely. Because yeah, right now your guys have either not been drafted yet or they're down in Lexington playing baseball. So um, it, it's next year you're going to have a better idea because these guys are going to start moving up. You're going to have these guys you've drafted. You're going to have a top pick in next year's draft. So. Each year it's going to get a little bit easier, but until then, you know, you're going to have rosters like this where you have guys, you know, if you think back to pre-2011 before the Hosbers and Moustakas and guys like that came up, I mean, you were piecing the team together just like this all those previous years, Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what this is this year right now. So, uh, you know, by this time next year, um, we're going to have a lot better idea of at least who those names are, and it'll be a lot more exciting to know you've got guys on the way. 
Jake, I don't know about you, but this has been very therapeutic for me. First, I got to get that off my chest about the weather, which is still upsets me, but <laughs> got that off my chest. Doesn't it feel good to talk this out? Like, Don't you get even a little giddy and excited thinking about the future of Royals baseball? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I already find myself you know, checking Lexington Legends you know, box scores every night right now. Yeah. We need to make a trip, Jake. We need to do a minor league trip together. We've never actually done that. Jake and I go to lots and lots of games together, but you know, we need to do an Arkansas or an Omaha this year and maybe look into Lexington. I mean, you can fly into Cincinnati and it's only about an hour. So maybe at some point we'll do that. What do you think? This this would be the year. I did hear the other day, I don't know where I heard this at. Maybe it was the Royals, maybe it was Josh Vernier on six ten, but he was saying he asked Scott Sharp and Piccolo and Dayton, you know, if, if you could go see, you know, spend one weekend at any of the minor league affiliates, and of course they said Lexington. So I guess that's kind of the place to be at least until June or July. <laughs> Although they do have to yeah. keep guys together. I, I, mean, I guess they do have to keep them together and bring them up together in waves. So maybe maybe they'll kind of let them play the whole season there. No rush at this point. Anyway, Jake, we're just talking in circles. I appreciate everyone listening here. It's at Royals Clubhouse on Twitter, uh, Clubhouse Conversation on Facebook, clubhouseconversation.com. You can subscribe on iTunes so that you get every single one of our interviews with a current or former player or our podcasts uh, downloaded directly into your iTunes. Anything else you want to add? Nope, I think that about covers it. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see at least you know some more competitive baseball over the next couple of weeks. Absolutely, and we'll talk again next week right here on Clubhouse Conversation. Thanks so much for listening, and go Royals!